Bitcoin, one, two, three. Ethereum, one, two, three. Monero, one, two, three. So you see what I'm doing here? Instead of check one, two, three, I'm, you know, I'm using different. Who uses checks anymore? Right. I, well, sadly, I, I still have to use a check, like once a quarter, to pay one of. I think it's my water bill, because it's a government agency that, you know, they actually do accept credit cards. But you have to show up in person to use it. You can't like, oh, gosh. call that... them and be like, yeah, can I make Why a Why on earth would they use credit cards that you have to show up in person for? I don't know. Uh, also, too, because of the you know the whole COVID thing, like going to see them in person, they reduced their hours of availability for only like two hours a day. And, of course, those would be during normal people's working day. So I just write a check and put it in the mail. So. Anyway, this is Free Talk Live. Thanks for tuning in. It's the Sunday night edition. In the studio tonight, it's myself, the Lord, Doctor, Reverend, Captain, soon-to-be Ambassador, Kickass, and joining me, Beakless Mountaineer, and Nikki. <laughs> We've got a whole bunch of fun stuff lined up, per uh, usual. Uh, Nikki, Sunday fun day, you know. Yeah, yeah, Nikki, you want to talk about a midwifery bill? I do, and also a Russian feminist activist and something to do with porn. We'll get to those. Uh, I've also got, uh, well, it's the title of the show today, which is Bitch Slapped by Government, and we'll talk about this restaurant who uh, tried to save itself until uh, the state came in and said, no, you can't do that, even though the state was the reason uh, that they were having hard times. Also, uh, some cops hogtied a guy and died, and the guy died. We'll talk about that. Uh, <laughs> in Government Incompetency. How about the United States Post Office delivering a letter 76 years late? Yeah. Also, possibly sheep helping to control the sheep. From Wisconsin Public Radio, 700 sheep and goats were arranged in the shape of a syringe to encourage vaccinations. (laughs) Sounds effective. To encourage? I mean, nothing really motivates me to change my behavior quite like arranging corpses. Oh no, these were live. Oh, they were alive. Live sheep. sheep yes. Yeah. We'll, okay. We'll, that's that's actually that's actually kind we'll of. We'll start talking about that. But also, if we get to it, a tech startup wants to gamify suing people using crypto tokens, and we could talk about that as well. Uh, if Peakless Mountaineer ever figures out what he wanted to talk about, we'll add that to the list. But let's. Uh, since I started talking about the sheep. <laughs> uh, and actually read the headline. It is from Wisconsin Public Radio. 700 sheep and goats were arranged in the shape of a syringe. Uh, and if you just type, you know, Wisconsin Public or WPR syringe, I think uh, this image will come up. It is an image from the sky of roughly 700 sheep that are, I mean, they did a pretty good job of making it look like a syringe, they got the little plunger deal on the end of it, and the point, the needle at the at the front of it, uh, and the midsection. You know, um. <laughs> well, I gotta say that is about as coherent of an argument as any other for getting the vaccine. Now, this didn't happen in Wisconsin. It's just being reported by uh, Wisconsin Public Radio. It actually happened in Germany, uh, and this is out of Berlin. Tate or Berlin, depending on how you pronounce it. Well, no, no, no. The one in Germany is Berlin, whereas the one here is Berlin. Okay. Kind of like uh, Wooster. How do you spell that? With way more letters than that. Wooster? 
Worcester. Is it spelled like rooster, but with yeah, a there's, W? There's a C in there in the middle. No. Yeah, oh, is it, the C, is the it C Worcestershire? That, it's, but it's pronounced Worcestershire? It's that, but no Shire. It's the worst Chestershire sauce I've ever had. <laughs> <laughs> worst Chestershire. I don't know. Uh, Berlin. Tasty bits of bread did the trick for about 700 sheep and goats to join Germany's drive to encourage more people to get vaccinated against COVID-19. The animals were arranged on Monday into the shape of roughly 330-foot syringe in a field at someplace south of Hamburg that I can't pronounce. Uh, Shepherd Schmidt Koken spent several days practicing with her animals. Oh, my God. News agency DPA reported. But she said, in the end, it wasn't difficult to work things out. She laid out pieces of bread in the shape of the syringe which the sheep and goats gobbled up when they were let out onto the field. What's it, what is it about sheep and bread and circuses or something like that? There's, there's a, a mixing yeah, metaphor. They call it bread here. and circuses, not mutton and circuses, yeah. but you know. But the bread and circuses are for the sheep to get the sheep to do what you want, right? <laughs> this so is just so the, ironic. It's it's a huge metaphor for what government is doing to people with their power grab amongst this. Yeah, I gotta say, like illness. of all the imagery choices, you 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 chose sheep. I know <laughs> that's that. I mean, uh, uh, that's really the thing that the people not getting vaccinated want to be more like is sheep. You know, I mean, that's that's what they identify with. It's it's how they think of themselves as kind of a, a cattle that you can you know order around and train. And by showing that that's what uh, what you can get in line with the syringe. You know, it, it it really speaks to them. But instead of pieces of bread with people, they used Krispy Kreme donuts. There is that. Yeah, I mean, or if, a free beer. You or, know, if the, yeah. if the free donuts and the free beer and the, the massive fr- multi-million dollar uh, uh, ad campaign. I mean, I got Let's stuff not in the mail the free telling marijuana. me about how important those oh, vaccines are. Oh, I missed are. that one. Let's not forget the free marijuana. There were some places oh, offering, about that offering a free doobie. Mm-hmm. I mean, a joint marijuana cigarette. Thank you for the politically correct term. Uh, in exchange for you getting, you know, the the jab, the jabberoonie, the jab. Yeah, one of these things is good for your health. The Jablonski. <laughs> That's what I should call it. The Jablonski. I don't know what a Jablonski is, but I think I've just renamed the jab, given it a full last name now. Well, I believe the Jablonski is the combination of the blunt and jab. Oh wow! Oh, okay. Huh. Very good. Very good. Portmanteau here on Free Talk Live. Uh, sheep are likable animals. Maybe they can get the message over better, he said. Oh, sorry, the organizer. Uh, Hans-Peter Erzold said the action was aimed at people who are still hesitating to get vaccinated. I just don't know how this is going to convince anybody yeah. to get vaccinated. Somebody, some, they were sitting around, a bunch of people at a table, <laughs> and they were going, okay, we need to figure out a way to convince more people to get vaccinated. And somebody went, I know. We'll get a bunch of sheep in a field to eat a bunch of bread in the shape of a giant syringe. And that'll get people to go get vaccinated. It just makes me want to get not vaccinated even more. Yeah. Like, how how do you arrive at the conclusion that more people are going to want to get vaccinated after seeing a bunch of sheep in a field in the shape of a syringe? It's like, what does one have to do with the other? It's like, I will hit myself in the foot with a shovel for your mortgage. 
I mean, if I was going to try and convince, like, the, the vaccine hesitant, like, train a bunch of eagles to fly in the shape of a syringe. Yeah, like, or, like, that's, tigers you know, or something. Yeah, you know, something exactly. cool. Something awesome. Where someone, you know, especially in America, get a bunch of bald eagles flying in the shape of a syringe. You know, get people's patriotism going. Be like, yeah, I need to get jabbed. I just haven't had enough, you know, injections today. Heck yeah. Because I can't say what I really want to say. <laughs> America. <sighs> Heck yeah. That video is so funny with the eagle with the arms. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, there's nothing not awesome about McDonald's. An eagle. Heck yeah! <laughs> uh, in a more conventional co- contribution to the drive, Berlin nightclubs on Monday pitched in by offering vaccinations. Yeah, because when I'm out drinking on the town, you know, maybe I'm out with my friends, maybe I'm on a date or something. You know, like what I want to do is like also get a, a shot in the arm of a vaccine. Well, I mean, it is a tried and true tested method that after someone's had a few, yeah. they're a lot more likely to let you stick something into them and uh, <laughs> get some fluids in there, you know? Uh, I guess that's one way you could put it. Or so I've been told. Uh, yeah, authorities in Germany have recently closed or put restrictions on clubs in order to slow the new spread of blah, blah, blah. Yeah, you get the idea. Basically, they lined up a bunch of sheep to in the shape of a syringe, and supposedly that's going to help more people be convinced that, that the Jablonski is the way to go. 603-283-6160. You can join us. This is Free Talk Live. Captain's Log, start date 01162022. This is the Starship Free Talk Live, coming to you from our out of this world studio Woo-hoo! here in King, New Hampshire. The telephone number, because we are a live call in radio talk program that's also broadcast on the internet, and you can also hear us as a podcast and there's some satellite stuff that's carrying us as well. The telephone number you need is 603-283-6160. We had just talked about <laughs> in Germany, in uh, Berlin, they lined up some sheep in the shape of a syringe in order to help convince people to get the vaccine somehow. I'm not sure how that's supposed to work, but uh, m- moving on from that, in the studio, it's myself, the captain. Bigless Mountaineer. And Nikki. Uh, Nikki, you brought something in, and I'm just going to say Russian feminist activist on trial for porn? Is that? Yep. Can you tell us more about this? I sure can. <laughs> because it sounds interesting. Yes. So a feminist artist went on trial Monday in this, I got this a few weeks ago, so this was, you know, whatever Monday that might have been. But so she went on trial on charges of disseminating pornography after she shared artwork online depicted depicting female bodies and human rights groups linked her to prosecutions to the conservative stance promoting traditional family values. So apparently in Russia... You're not allowed to post naked bodies on the internet, even if it's art clay or I don't know if she was painting a picture or something, but yeah. it wasn't 
an actual female body. It was a something that she drew or painted or sculpted. Oh, interesting. So it wasn't like a photo or a video. No, no, it, it was, was art. Yeah, she some wasn't other, like a yeah. painting or something. Wow. So even that. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait. Can we do harmonies? One, two, three. Wow. wow. Okay, I just want to see if we could kind of harmonize there a little bit. It was a poor harmonization, but whatever. Nice try. <laughs> I've heard better. <laughs> yeah, I've done The that. first one was spot on, though. Yeah. So, feminist activist leaves after a court session in somewhere in Russia. Monday, April 12th, 2021. A Russian court on Monday opened the trial of I, Yulia. Charged with disseminating pornography after she shared artwork depicting female genitalia online. <gasps> the horror. So again with the with the family values. That's H O R R O R, not W H O R E. Now I wonder if you'd get busted if you had one of those uh, flower paintings. That's uh, do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, or like pieces. Of, I've seen like feminist Instagram pages that will use like pieces of fruit, like citrus fruit, and different things that kind of resemble I mean, vaginas but okay, aren't actually look when i was like 12 or whatever and first started you know like noticing women you know like i i would do funny stuff when i was at like the department store where they have the uh you know the headless armless you know bottomless torso but it yeah. had like the shape of the boobs yeah, or the whatever mannequin. you know and i would like reach out and you know <laughs> grab some mannequin you know, when I was 12, right? You know, but like, was is that pornographic? It sounds just as pornographic as somebody doing a painting, a drawing, or a statue, well, a clay, something. You know what? It looks like you weren't exhibiting traditional family values. <laughs> well, no, I wasn't. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it's strange to hear, like, I mean, I tend to think of Russia as kind of, you know, more of an open society than it used to be, you know, with the USSR and all. But in a lot of ways, like they are just very conservative with their laws. I mean, this is crazy to me. I had no clue well, that it was at do they this not, level. Do they not have museums? Because almost every museum I've ever been to has some sort of depiction of some yeah. human body naked. Yeah. It's well, called and, Art Russia. Get with it. Yeah. Well, and I mean, traditional family values, I mean, depending on how you slice that one, I mean, being a feminist is directly against it. So, I mean, anything that she says at that point, you know, it, it could be considered uh, under their rules for pornography, I guess. And just the fact that they have a label for traditional family values, that insinuates that there is also untraditional yeah. Non-traditional family values, which should have equal playing time, if you will. You know, it should be equal to traditional family values, just a different version of it, right? And should be able to exist within the same space. Yeah. Well, you think so. Russia does not think so. I mean, like, uh, one of the big things there is, uh, so, I mean, there, there's no laws against being homosexual, but there are laws against talking about it. Because it's this same thing where you're you're propagating uh, non-traditional family values. So I mean, if you you know, if you project your being in favor of like uh, a homosexual couple having a child, like that will put you in jail in Russia. Isn't I mean, this sounds a lot like the conservative Christians here in the United States as well. That yeah. is exactly what it sounds. <laughs> Maybe like. they should go to Russia. Yeah, it turns out Russia, Texas, rather similar. Oh. Except for the weather. I 
Well, okay. <laughs> and I don't think Texas ever had gulags. Although they have plenty of prisons now, and the yeah. United States now imprisons more people than the gulags ever even thought of. So, Well, just wait till we yeah. get those FEMA camps working. Yeah. I mean, we have them. We're just not using them yet. Is there more to this? There is. So the charges against her in the far eastern city of, I'm not even going to try to pronounce that, have brought international outrage. She faces up to six years in prison on charges reportedly related to her group on the popular Russian social media platform where stylized drawings of vaginas were posted. Um, She is not allowed to disclose details of the criminal case against her. The hearing comes a year and a half after she was first detained in eight months after Russian President Vladimir Putin signed constitutional amendments that outlawed same-sex marriage and tasked the government with preserving traditional family values. Okay, wait a minute. So, So, So she's been in jail for a year and a half already? Yes. And and she was first detained eight months ago. Oh, okay. Oh no, no, no. The hearing comes a year and a half after she was first detained. Okay, so she's been in jail, arguably, for a year and a half. Yeah. And uh, these laws that the prosecutor was uh, Poontang, President Vladimir <laughs> Poontang. Is that is that accurate? Yeah. I believe it's pronounced poutine. Oh, sorry. Oh, like the uh, French fries in the gravy. Exactly. Oh, I see. Okay, my bad. Sorry, President Poontang. I'll pronounce it Poutine from now on. <laughs> well, I don't want to be disputing how you pronounce we've, it. We've left Nikki speechless. It's the first. <laughs> Sorry, Nikki. Where <laughs> what was have I? we done? You're Why right. did we get in the same room keep together? keep thinking about the gravy and the French fries. <laughs> We're but not anyways, far from so Canada. Can... I'm just also... <laughs> That's true. <laughs> I'm just thinking about Vladimir eating them with that stone cold expression that he always has. Oh man! So I'm just kind of trying to like wrap my head around this. So the hearing, <clears throat> the hearing came a year and a half after she was first detained, and it was eight months after he signed the amendment. So okay. this just happened. So she was probably creating this art for a long time, yeah. but it was just outlawed, and then she was just getting prosecuted for it. That's got to be illegal. So... It's not. Hold on. There. Now it's illegal. Yeah. <laughs> Have you or anybody you know ever been arrested for their art and prosecuted for it? 603-283-6160. This is Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live's video archives have been on Library for years. Library is an uncensorable, decentralized, blockchain-based media sharing protocol, and we're big fans of it here on Free Talk Live. In 2020, Library launched Odyssey, a video sharing website to compete with YouTube, and it's really taking off. Now with over 1 million channels, many of whom are disaffected YouTube creators. During YouTube's crackdown for not towing the government line on COVID, the Free Talk Live YouTube channel started receiving strikes and could be completely taken down at any moment. Thankfully, Odyssey started offering live streaming, so we're now streaming live every night and posting our video archives permanently to Odyssey. You can watch live or anytime on our Odyssey channel by visiting video.freetalklive.com. If you want to go all in, download the desktop app at lbry.com, and then every video archive you watch, you'll help seed and keep it online forever. At minimum, we ask you visit video.freetalklive.com and follow us on Odyssey today. Video.freetalklive.com.
Welcome back to Free Talk Live, the Sunday night edition. I am your host, the Reverend Captain Kickass. Joining me in the studio tonight, Beakless Mountaineer and Nikki. We just got done talking about a Russian feminist activist artist on trial for porn, but art really, and it, it's just so like yeah. I don't how understand how, how exactly can... does a picture of a vagina? undermine traditional family values yeah i don't really know. like oh no i was going to have a traditional family but now that i've seen this picture of a vagina that can never happen as if we don't all get born yes you know yes. like you saw it at one point did we not what i do know is that bitcoin.com is the best source for learning about cryptocurrency you can go there now and click on Get Started at the top of the page. Once you do that, you'll find all sorts of valuable information neatly organized to suit your needs. There's no longer any excuse to ignore this important and world-changing information. If you're already knowledgeable about crypto, you can check out news.bitcoin.com and get the latest headlines for all the news that's relevant to you. Bitcoin.com is your source for everything crypto, like getting a wallet, mining, trading, and all the latest cryptocurrency news, all on a slick and easy-to-use website. Please visit Bitcoin.com. Uh, let's go to the phones. We've got Matthew, or Matt, I guess, calling from Wisconsin. Matt, you're on Free Talk Live. Hey, guys. How's it going? Good. What's on your mind tonight? Yeah, so you were bringing up... Um you know, art, you know, artists getting in trouble mm-hmm. uh, from like, from evil big government, <clears throat> which I agree, all, all authority and all government is evil. I'm a libertarian too. Um, it, people getting in trouble for art and drawings and pictures. And I, I it just resonated with me because I have a, that, that actually happened to me last year. Really? What happened? <clears throat> well, it's kind of an ironic story it's like the last thing you'd expect but i so like like i said i'm a libertarian mm-hmm. and i was at a libertarian conference and i i brought with me all my artwork that like i want to express and it was just me it was just artwork or drawings of me killing uh pedophiles and uh you know other types of libertarians and the libertarians called the cops on me they called evil big government on me because i was against pedophilia and against LGBT and against all that stuff that destroys society and promotes obscenity and what kind of what about. kind of art uh, was it was it uh, you know what medium was it in oh it was all kinds it was like drawing artwork uh, film um, you know uh, Linux uh, code ones and zeros binary um, you know, Spanish, English, Japanese, uh, made-up language. It was basically all types of uh, art. And what was and, the what uh, was the ev- called what, evil? What was the event that you were at where this transpired? Uh, it was the Libertarian Social Gathering of 2021. Where at? In Wisconsin? Uh, no, it was in uh, it was in New Hampshire. Okay. I've never heard of that. Yeah, I'm I'm not yeah, familiar with that. So what happened? Did did you get arrested? Yeah, the libertarians called Eagle Big Government and said that uh, my my artwork was uh, was uh, you know 
destroying their things that they hold dear, which was pedophilia, the freedom of to be a degenerate, oh, the freedom of obscenity. I see. Yeah. Wait, didn't you say you're a libertarian? Yeah, I'm a libertarian. So, and, but and but I, you I don't hold those them. things dear because you just said libertarians do. Oh, no, no, no. They do. LRN.FM. Well, thanks for the call. Yeah, you guys are gay. <laughs> All right. Have a good night, man. Trolling, trolling, trolling. I actually hit the dump button on him. Uh, even though he didn't cuss because I had my finger on it, I was, you know, kind of figured it was a troll. Just waiting. Oh. You know, just waiting. Yeah, I wondered what was just going waiting. on there. Yeah. So uh, he didn't actually swear. But so if you heard a flushing sound, listeners, uh, you know, eh, whatever. <laughs> That's what happens if you do cuss. Um, so, yeah, this guy, obviously a troll. Uh, yeah, libertarian show. social gathering. Yeah. I went to libertarian social gathering. And they called the police. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Libertarians called the police because I went to social <laughs> gathering and was anti-pedophile. I, I do find his uh, ideas of... Like, have the bots taken human form? Is that where we're at now? Yeah, actually. <sighs> like, was, was that a, <laughs> we're was about that to a be. <laughs> poor attempt at AI? Yeah, either that or, you know, maybe that dude was a fed, right? Mm. Trying to, like, provoke some sort of response. You know, that kind of thing, as, as they are poor at doing anyway. Yeah, I don't know. It's hard to tell. But 603-283-6160, uh, if you have, you know, anything you'd like to say about the troll who just called, well, feel free to give us a call. Uh, so moving right along, we had talked about this, you know, again, the Russian feminist artist who's being prosecuted uh, as if she were a pornographer. Uh, but I wanted to talk about, let's just call it government ineptitude. How about this? This is from the Washington Post. The United States Postal Service just delivered a letter from an American soldier in Germany. Problem is, it was 76 years later. 76 years later. So when I tell you the check's in the mail, <laughs> you can expect it any time. Just wait a while. Between now and 76 years later. I'm surprised it even found the person that it was supposed to go to. Like, they didn't move. They're still alive. Well, there, there's a bit of that uh, in the article that, that'll answer your curiosities there. But I'm just thinking to myself, where does a letter, they show a picture of it here in this article, and it's just... You know, like a standard size letter envelope of the time, right? It's the more square one than the rectangle one. And it's handwritten, obviously, and it's got a six-cent stamp on it. Uh, and you could tell it's, you know, ancient, so to speak. <laughs> Thanks for the uh, inflation reminder there, by the way. Yeah. yeah. Right. A <laughs> uh, bunch of people don't even live 76 years, much less, you know, get a letter delivered to them 76 years late. Uh, and it, we'll, we'll get into the article in just a second, but... Where has this letter been? Yeah, yeah where was it hiding? Behind like, the fridge here? What What exactly? <laughs> 76 years? Like, it's not like it was stuck in the back of a truck, right? Because the trucks or whatever were operating 76 years ago, totally decommissioned and had been replaced a couple of times since then. You know, so, you know, it's not like it was under a seat or something like that. So it had to be in a building, I'm guessing, you know, at, at, somewhere dry, 
right? Because this doesn't. This letter looks like it's been you know kept dry. You know, even though it's, it's a little yellowish. You know, so I, I don't really know, but I can tell you that American soldier John Gonsalves was serving in Germany in the aftermath of World War II when he wrote a letter to his mother in Massachusetts in 1945. Last month, the U.S. Postal Service finally delivered the letter to his family 76 years later. So I'm assuming his mother is probably not alive anymore. It's a good assumption, based on the numerical values of the age and the time of the letter. Angelina Jean Gonsalves, now 89, was astonished to hold the airmail envelope in her hand after her mail carrier dropped it off at her home in Woburn, Massachusetts, just outside of Boston. The letter, which had a six-cent stamp, had been forwarded from a Pittsburgh mail facility and was addressed to John Gonsalves' mother, also named Angelina. Oh. And long deceased, she said. Her husband died in 2015 at age 92. So the guy who the letter was written by died in, in at, at 92 in 2015 seeing so seeing his tidy handwriting again was like taking a trip back in time said Gonsalves and we could talk more about what this letter meant to these people and how it illustrates the ineptitude of government service coming up 603-283-6160 more free talk live is on the way Yes, come on and listen to Free Talk Live. Yeah, we're here 7 p.m. until 10 p.m., seven nights a week, doing a live broadcast. If you want to call, call between those hours. That's Eastern Time, 7 to 10 p.m. The telephone number, 603-283-6160. In the studio, it's myself, the captain. Speakless Mountaineer. And Nikki. We've been talking about, well, the ineptitude of the post office where somebody in World War II wrote a leather, leather, wrote a leather, wrote a letter. Wrote a leather? Wrote a letter to his mother. Wrote and a leather the, what? The, <laughs> beat you with the leather strap is what she did. No. Uh Wrote a letter to his mother, and the post office delivered it 76 years later. Did this get bounced from, like, country to country? <laughs> I, I mean, have... did you did you write the worst possible zip code on here or something? What? We'll talk more about that, but I, I need to tell you that we are raising funds for Give Directly, the first nonprofit that allows you to give money directly to people living in extreme poverty They locate recipients in need and use mobile money to send them cash, no strings attached. In the past decade, they've delivered $400 million to over 1 million people. Research shows that giving cash to people living in poverty can help drive a range of important positive changes in their lives, like employment, nutrition, health, and education. In addition, cash allows individuals to invest in what they need instead of relying on aid organizations and donors thousands of miles away to choose for them. Isn't this what you would prefer? Free Talk Live is matching your donations to give directly, helping families in Bomet and Khalifi counties in Kenya who are in need, some of the poorest people on planet Earth, by the way. 
Free Talk Live is matching your donations up to $30,000. So if you're feeling generous, head over to give.freetalklive.com and please help those areas plagued by drought, floods, and food insecurity. There may not be a better way to help families in Kenya. Give.freetalklive.com. All right, so here's what we know. Uh, This guy, uh, John, wrote a letter to his mom in 1945, thereabouts. Uh, Mom, of course, never received a letter. She died. Uh, John also died at age 92. Uh, The letter ended up in the hands of John's wife, uh, also named Angelina, uh, but goes by Jean, uh, recently. And so, I mean, she's happy, of course, to have the letter. It is kind of cute. She's like, you know. Once you get past the, you know, inability of the post office, then it's kind of cute. Yeah, this article is written as sort of a feel-good story. Like, yeah. oh, it's a flashback from the patent. Like, oh, we're so... But- it had been nice if it was the same generation or the one after when it was intended to get there that it had gotten there. But, uh, you know. Yeah. Uh, it's quaint. And, you know, it's like stuff that kids won't see today. It's written in cursive. The paper yeah. is not lined at all. But it's got... You know, the 2nd Armed Division, December 6, 1945, bad orb on the top right, and then it, it's got, like, paragraph indentation, stuff that... Yeah, you know. I'm actually shocked at how good of condition this letter is still in. I mean, it looks like he literally just wrote it. It does not look like it is 70-plus years old. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, I'm sort of skipping through the feel-good portion. If you want to read about the feel-good portion, this is from the WashingtonPost.com. You can go find it there. But the part that I wanted to get at was uh, the mailman had asked if my husband had been in service, and I told him yes, but I didn't know him then. She said uh, he thought the letter was something personal for me, and he was really happy to give me the letter as priority mail. Inside the envelope, uh, Gonsalves also found a letter from Stephen D. Stowell, who works at the U.S. Postal Service's Processing and Distribution Center in Pittsburgh, Quote, enclosed, please find a letter from your husband, John Gonsalves, to his mother dated December 6th, 1945, Stowell wrote. We are aware of the passing of your husband in 2015. Our condolences. As his next of kin, this letter now passes to you. We are uncertain where this letter has been for the past seven plus decades, but it arrived at our facility approximately six weeks ago. I mean, that's crazy. So, and that was in Pittsfield, correct? Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh, okay. By virtue of some dedicated sleuth work by our postal workers at this facility, we were able to determine your address, hence this letter delivery to you, albeit 76 years late. So, somebody at the post office. I'm so, think- they don't even know where this thing was for the last 76 years. <laughs> it just appeared at the facility. Due to the agent's significance uh, to your family history, delivering this letter was of utmost importance to us, added Stowell, who did not respond to an interview request from the Washington Post because he didn't want to answer questions that we've been asking here, right. which is, where the heck was it? Why did it take 76 years? 
Why did you need to have you know somebody at the post office do some internet sleuthing? Oh, they probably turned to the uh, the post office workers who are yeah who uh, are in charge of that. No, monitoring your social media accounts. We covered mm-hmm. that story here on Free Talk Live. For some reason, they've uh, the post office has employed people to monitor social media accounts. So uh, it goes on to say. Gonsalves says uh, she phoned Stowell to thank him for forwarding the letter. She was told that the U.S. Postal Service has no idea how it ended up in Pittsburgh after more than seven decades. They're just not sure what happened, and I guess it really doesn't matter, she said. I'm just so happy to have it. I would have been 13 when John wrote it. So, yeah, they just don't know. We we flaked. We we don't know. But couldn't they have... Don't they have ways to trace that, though? Because if it just appeared in Uh, Pittsburgh, you know, it had to have been sent from a different facility or somebody dropped it off. Like, you would think that they would be able to trace that. Have some kind of paper trail. Yeah. They obviously don't give a crap. Yeah, I mean, even as a bureaucracy, they're terrible. And... While if I'm this lady and I'm 89 and I get this, you know, thing that's 76 years old, I I also might be a little happy about it. And then also somebody doing an article about it, I would, oh, that's weird. I could tell the world about my story and all that stuff. However, I would still be upset at the post office for delivering this thing 76 years later. Yeah. I mean, his mother, who it was intended for his mother, and she never got to read it. Yes, he came home from the war, and she, you know, she could hug him and everything, but what if he didn't? What if he never came home from the war, and then his mother never got that last letter from him? Right. Yeah. Now, what if it said something important? Yeah. You know? Like, Makes me not want to mail things. And, and I can't <laughs> help but think of uh, Spooner. Uh, uh, I forget the guy's first name, but uh, Lysander. Lysander. Lysander, that's the one. Thank you. Um, uh, surprisingly popular uh, name for kids these days in the uh, libertarian community. But yeah, uh, Lysander Spooner like made a post office that was private, that was cheaper, that was significantly more effective. And the federal government said, OK, that's not allowed anymore. No one is ever allowed to do this. And it makes you wonder if they were not actively keeping us from having more effective systems, maybe this would have actually gotten delivered at least in the same generation. Yeah, seven decades. I mean, yeah, that's a little excessive. It just makes my brain jump to like more interesting conclusions that, you know, like, wormholes like it just makes me think of like different oh. theories of like because like, you know you see this, this letter cease to exist on the physical plane for the last 70 i years. mean maybe because you look at the letter and it's like that doesn't look like it's 76 years old like where was it? i mean maybe if it was like sitting on a shelf somewhere for 76 years yeah maybe it would still be in that condition or maybe if it vanished and then reappeared in pittsburgh where it was intended before you know the Time warped momentarily. Yeah, I, yes. like, yeah, who I knows? do think of the the end of uh, Back to the Future, where he's like, "The duck's alive." I, yeah, he's got I this letter from the old west. I don't know and about that poor, you. Poor, poor mail carrier is like, what, what? But I'm pretty sure the post office does not yet have access to interdimensional postal deliveries. 
Man, I wouldn't put much past them. I mean, but maybe like, it had nothing they, to do with the post office. I mean, like they do have some weird thing where you can where you can actually get them to deliver something like years after you sent it. Really? Like, oh yeah, I had a I had a friend who uh, uh, decided he was done being in the physical world and like post dated a bunch of like uh, letters to his daughter so that they get like delivered posthumously at various times, which I did Whoa. not know that was a thing you could do. I didn't yeah. either. Coming up, we'll talk about how a drive through window saved a business, but now government is forcing him to shut it down. This is Free Talk Live, 603-283-6160. Hour number two is coming up. Is your broken heart stopping you from being authentically happy? My name is Jeremy West, and for a limited time, I am running a free online class to teach you what most people don't know about how to deal with your feelings. The simple way to deal with your negative thinking, the key to breaking your unhealthy relationship patterns, and so much more. No more feeling like a failure who will never find true love. No more self-medicating and ending up feeling even more miserable. And no more feeling like you'll never be someone who deserves an amazing partner. Sound good? You'll discover a new way to finally feel validated and loved. To stop trying to get your self-worth from the very people who tear it down and to put you in control of your own happiness so you never surrender that control to another person again in as little as eight weeks. Register now for my free online class at beyondyourbreakup.com slash free class. That's beyondyourbreakup.com slash free class. Free Talk Live. Our numero dos is now underway here at Free Talk Live. We're a live radio call-in program that's also on the internet and some satellite stations where you can call, take control of the airwaves to talk about whatever's on your mind. The telephone number in the studio is 603-283-6160. You can join us. 603-283-6160. 603-283-6160. In the studio, it's myself, the Reverend Captain Kickass. Beagle's Mountaineer. And Nikki. All right, so I read this uh, last week at some point, and I was just like, I have to bring this in for the show. This is from Reason.com. A drive through window saved his business, but now he's being forced to shut it down. Zoning officials concede Robert Baltierra's drive-through window isn't causing any problems, but they say it's a code violation and he has to close anyway. Makes no sense. When public health orders closed his restaurant's doors, Robert Baltierra's opened a window. Now city zoning officials are closing that too. For the past 13 years... Balatierrez has owned and operated the Mexican restaurant Taco Boy from its current location on a corner of busy Mission Street in Mount Pleasant, Michigan. When the pandemic hit in 2020, Taco Boy, like all food and drink establishments in Michigan, were required by the state to shut down the dining room that brought in almost all of its revenue. 
In response, Valentier has decided to open up a dormant drive through window that had come with the building and had been used by its previous occupants, a pharmacy and a restaurant. This facilitated enough takeaway orders to keep Taco Boy, a 50-year-old business Belletier has inherited from his father, on its feet during the worst of COVID-19. So, just to sum it up here, uh, dude's running a restaurant. Uh, the city says, hey, COVID, you can't have people in your restaurant anymore. We're shutting everybody down. He was like, oh, crap, what am I going to do? He had a drive through window that he had not been using in the building, and he's like, oh, bing, I got an idea. I'll open the drive through window. People can still call, get their orders, go online, whatever, and they can just drive up and get their stuff, and bam, I can at least still do some business. Yeah, you got to love how when it comes to, you know, goods, services, going to work, things like that, like this is an emergency situation, and you've just got to put up with the fact that you can't do as much as you ought to. But when it comes to following unnecessary regulations, oh no, we will follow every single stupid rule to the letter. For a small time, his move to open the drive through window proved uncontroversial. Late last year, however, city officials told Bellatieres that the drive through window was not allowed by Mount Pleasant's zoning code. Neighboring businesses have their own drive throughs and the city concedes that Bellatierra's drive through window is causing no noise or traffic impacts. Nevertheless, the city says it has to close. Quote, without the drive through I don't even know if I would be able to make it. I would have to let some employees go. It's going to hurt, Bellatierra tells Reason. So I just don't understand if other businesses have a drive through window that they are using mm-hmm. and if his drive through window isn't causing any issues and if he's following all of their stupid other rules for as far as like covid regulations goes i don't understand the pro i don't even know how they have the authority to tell him that he can't run his drive through window well i mean they're the government and they're He's going to do what they say. Just because the rule doesn't make any sense whatsoever doesn't mean that we won't kill you for not following it. Well, I mean, my my thought is like, okay, I think that zoning laws are like stupid and evil simultaneously. Yes. Like in general at all. A zoning law is stupid. I mean, like, if you go back in history for a very long time, people literally lived above their shops. That was just standard practice. So, I mean, like, the idea that you're going to separate the the place you live. Oh, you can't live here. This is a a commercial zone. You can't have a business here. This is a resident. Like, it's insane. But, I mean, the fact that you're going to so finely slice it that, okay, well, this is a restaurant zone. Like, this isn't just a commercial zone. This is a restaurant zone, but this isn't a drive through window restaurant zone. This is a sit-down restaurant zone. Yeah. It's like, but you told me I couldn't have a sit-down restaurant. That's correct. That's you're, right. You just die. You're uh, getting to the crux of it. They're yeah. peakless mountaineer. At issue is a provision in Mount Pleasant's zoning code mandated by state law that drive throughs must have a minimum of 200 feet of stacking space. That's how many cars can fit into the drive through at a time without impeding either on-site movement of vehicles or access to the property from the street. 
because those 200 feet extend into Taco Boy's parking lot, city staff says it interferes with the on-site movement of vehicles and thus has to go. But at one point, somebody was using a drive through window there. Two businesses before his yeah. were using. So... Because those 200, how oh, we said that, uh, Bellatieres argues he's being singled out as neighboring businesses with drive throughs that also aren't up to code are allowed to operate unmolested. And that's the proper terminology I would use. He also argues that his drive through hasn't generated any complaints or issues for surrounding property owners. The city doesn't disagree with Bellatieres on the latter point. A report Prepared by city staff on Bellatierra's drive through notes, there have been no complaints regarding traffic coming or going from the site or issues associated with noise with adjoining properties. I'm not saying that anyone is bothered by this behavior. I'm just saying that if you keep doing it, I will kidnap you yeah. and torture you. It's still a code violation, whether or not it's, you know, impacting anybody. It's still, it's the letter of the law. I have to follow the letter of the law. Yeah, I I really wish that things operated the way that I was once told uh, that, uh, at least in Colorado, the nudity laws worked, where unless someone says something, it's not a problem. Yeah. Where, like, no, you're you're allowed to unless someone tells you that it bothers them, and then you're not. I mean, I at least wish that laws would, would fall back to that point, where, like, unless it actually bothers somebody, they don't enforce laws. That would be nice. That would I mean, be like a would, sane way to run a civilization. That would make sense, right? Even like going to like marijuana laws and stuff like that. Like nobody cares if you're smoking weed. Right. So why is it an issue? Right. It should be as easy as if you're not hurting anyone or damaging anybody else's property or even, you know, like causing anybody any, you know, uh, inconvenience, I guess. Yeah. Then you should be able to do whatever you want to do, including opening the used-to-be drive-through window at your restaurant. Are you insinuating that victimless crimes aren't real? I'm not insinuating. I'm straight out stating. Well, and this really does put the lie to the purpose of government. I mean, we get the we get fed this idea that governments exist for our benefit. They don't. No, governments exist for the benefit of the powerful people running them. They want power. Governments are an effective way to get people to put up with them controlling your life. Yeah. And they attract uh, some of the worst people on planet Earth. And it's an effective way to steal money from people without them causing much of a ruckus. The article continues, but the lack of stacking space makes that a moot point, says Brian Kench, a building official with the Mount Pleasant City government. Kench tells Reason that non-conforming drive throughs are grandfathered into the stacking space requirements so long as they've been in continuous operation since the rules came into effect. If they cease operation for a year or more, it would have to comply with current zoning requirements, Kench says. The letter of the law. That means that Bellatera's drive through which was shuttered for over a decade, cannot be grandfathered in and instead must now meet these new requirements. Is there anything this guy can do? We'll find out here on Free Talk Live. Talk more about this, plus your calls and thoughts. Coming up, 603-283-6160. This is the Sunday Night Edition of Free Talk Live.
Yes, welcome back to the program. Thanks for tuning in and listening, everybody. It is Free Talk Live. The telephone number, if you want to join us, is 603-283-6160. The phones are packed right now, so keep trying if you're attempting to get through. 603-283-6160. We'll get to your calls momentarily. In the studio, it's myself, the Lord Reverend Captain Kickass, joining me. Beakless Mountaineer. And Nikki. Uh, I need to tell you that we've been telling you how Intercoin can help any business and organization launch their own currency or raise money using their own token. Now, Intercoin has launched its investor token worldwide for the first time, and it's available on an exchange. You can create an account at xmarkets.com that's exmarkets.com with only an email address so you can keep your privacy intact you can then deposit dozens of different cryptocurrencies including bitcoin trade them for tether then buy itr that's the intercoin investor token learn more about the intercoin vision at intercoin.org and now buy or sell itr on xmarkets.com that's exmarkets.com. You just might be advancing the cause of liberty around the world. All right. We'll uh, continue with this article about Mr. Balatieres and his adventures in opening the drive through window at his restaurant, which has been running for 13 years because, you know, the state shut him down under COVID. And so... The only way he could keep his business alive was by opening this drive through window. But they say, no, 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 no. You cannot have your drive through window because it violates a code, even though it's causing no harm to anybody anywhere. And right. other businesses around uh, also are running drive through windows. So we'll talk more about that. But as I said, the phones are packed. Uh, let's go to let's go to AJ in Kentucky. AJ, you're on Free Talk Live. Hey, uh, thanks for taking my call, guys. Yeah, what's on your mind tonight, AJ? Um, so uh, it actually kind of relates to that crypto ad you guys just put on. Um, I wanted to see what your guys' take was on the Federal Reserve as a, like a private organization, what you guys think about that, and then also what you think the Federal Reserve should be doing and what you think they will do um, for the inflation that's happening right now, and then finally, your Ooh, thoughts part question. on. I don't moving. know if I, I don't know if I can handle three parts of the question. So let's oh, okay. let, let's take them one at a time. Uh, what was the first part? What do we think of the Federal Reserve being a private entity? Is that right? Yeah. All right. Yeah, so and like the, the whole. Yeah, there's, and we'll just go around. Uh, there's nothing federal about the Federal Reserve, and it doesn't have anything in reserves. So it is a private entity, technically speaking, but its ties to governments, not just our own, uh, should be done away with, in my opinion. Well, that used to be true for uh, over a century, but uh, there was this, uh, in the like absolute tidal wave of legislation that happened during the COVID uh, emergency, uh, one of the things that happened was that the Federal Reserve was actually put under the direct jurisdiction of the Treasury. So it is now a federal entity, and that's right, we have entered socialism. 
Like, we are technically socialist in that the government controls the uh, printing and distribution of money. Nikki? Well, and the whole point of the Federal Reserve was that we had silver or some sort of precious metals to back up the paper dollars that we're using. So instead of just taking my word for it, this is worth $1, there was legitimate precious metals to back up the worth of that dollar. That hasn't been so for a long time. 100 years or more? What is the point of the Federal Reserve if they're not reserving anything? Got it. AJ, what's the well, second part? Um, uh, just just real quick, though, I, I also want to point out that uh, it's a, a very common scam that the government does to pretend that something is being done privately by uh, a company yeah. when it is, in fact, being done by government mandate. Got it. AJ, what's the second part? Um, the second part is what do you guys think the Federal Reserve should be doing about our inflation and what do you think they will do? I think they should be doing nothing about the inflation because they caused it. What do I think they will do? I think they will continue to print more money because there's nothing else they can do. Inflation is only going to keep going. Uh, ideally ceasing to exist. Um, short of that, uh, they should actually stop doing their entire job basically and i mean what they do right now is they set uh, an inflation rate instead of allowing the market to determine what that inflation rate would be so that we don't actually get the feedback of how much savings there exists to fund projects in the future so if they would just you know stop doing that entirely it would help a lot but um yeah, that's not likely to happen. Nikki. So I guess my answer is similar but a little bit more simple. I think they should frig off. <laughs> I like your succinctness. Yeah. Now, now right. what will they do? None of that. They will continue to print uh, money at the whim of Congress. Yeah. And then, AJ, what was the third part? I don't think I, you ever actually said the third part. Uh, my third part was, what are your guys' thoughts on transferring over, uh, on crypto taking over as like a main currency, like replacing the U.S. dollar? Do you think that will ever happen, or do you think the government will completely stop that from happening because it is completely against their interests? Oh, boy, I, I hope so. I hope so. Uh, it, the United States dollar, the USD, is operated by the Federal Reserve, is money of the government cartel. Right, it's money. It's money of evil. Right, um, stuff like uh, stuff like what was the I don't know what they're calling it now. The the Facebook coin used to be called Libra. Uh, that that would be money for the corporations. Right, so kind of a step in the right direction, but you know not. You know. Whereas stuff like Bitcoin, Bitcoin Cash, Monero, you know all these cryptocurrencies, that's money of the people, and it's going to be up to the people to make it so. Uh, and that is, take it upon yourself to get a wallet and start transacting in crypto, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, uh, as far as the Federal Reserve is concerned, and even you know the Treasury Department or any of that, they're not going to help. I mean, like, will, will cryptocurrency replace the U.S. dollar? Well, it is literally the only hope for human civilization. Like, it's either that or a dark age the likes of which we have never seen before and potential nuclear annihilation of the species. I mean, those are our options. And uh, so far, the the Fed's been getting in the way everywhere they can. I mean, uh, there were a, a couple of exchanges in uh, in Wyoming that uh, the Fed absolutely refuses to do its legally required paperwork to process their application for uh, becoming banks. Mm. I think if the U.S. does anything, it would probably look more like a digital currency because that's kind of what they've already been talking about doing and, you know, getting rid of cash altogether so they can track 
the money easily. I think as far as what we as people should be doing is using crypto. I think the free market will decide, you know, what is going to be used and what things are worth. And I think we should forget about whatever the U.S. government says and just keep doing what we're doing, using crypto and using precious metals. Hey, AJ, thanks for the call. Great call, by the way. And thanks for listening. The Federal Reserve is an evil entity, in my opinion. It needs to go the way of the dodo. The telephone number here is 603-283-6160. More of your calls and thoughts are coming up here on Free Talk Live. It's the live Sunday night edition. On Free Talk Live, we're bringing people to the ideas of liberty every day. From wrestling superstars like Glenn Jacobs. You guys really are having an impact, I believe. Like I said, uh, a lot of where I am now is due to listening to Free Talk Live. You changed my mind on some very important issues years ago. To random people tuning in on the radio. I was kind of stuck in the left-right paradigm. I heard your show by chance on a Saturday night. From there, I went on joined the Free State Project and become an amplifier. So, I mean, that's really the reason why I amp is uh, because I know that if it wasn't for you guys being on as many stations as you are, I never would have found the ideas of liberty. You can help more people hear the message of liberty by joining Free Talk Live's AMPS program on Patreon for as little as $5 a month. And you'll get access to special perks. Visit amps.freetalklive.com, amps.freetalklive.com. It's Free Talk Live. Welcome back, everybody. The telephone number, if you want to join the conversations tonight, 603-283-6160. Again, 603-283-6160. In the studio, it's myself, the captain. Peakless Mountaineer. And Nikki. And let's go to more of your calls and thoughts. We have Sarah in New Mexico. Sarah, you're on Free Talk Live. Oh, yeah. Um, hello. Um, yeah, I just want to mention that, you know, um, our red light camera program. Um, what do you mean by program? I, well, red light cameras that they have in different cities, I think um, a lot of city students still do have it. Yep. But yeah, the thing is that my point is that if it was run under a communist system, communist format, um, people would um, accept the idea of red light cameras more. Can you tell me, Sarah? Yeah. Can you tell me, Sarah, what is not communist about red light cameras currently? Right now, well, here in New Mexico, so uh, some proceeds will go. Uh, they profit. They capitalize on the red light camera tickets. So, in other words, Netflix. I don't know how much they make, but they get a portion of that ticket. So the whole thing. Net, if it was Netf- Wait, did you say Netflix gets a portion of the proceeds? From Redflex, the- Redflex, R E D. They're out of um, Australia, but they have a they have a um, satellite um, company in in Arizona. Redflex company. Okay, Red these are the Flex. this is the company who provides the cameras, right? 
Right. They manufacture it. They sure. run it, and they make the money. Right. So the, okay. So so hang on, hang on. Okay. In a communist system, who would manufacture and provide the cameras? So in other words, it doesn't matter who got the patent. It would just the idea would belong to the state. The cameras would be owned by the state. I mean, the cameras and all the tickets are belong to the state. Well, so that's the currently only true. Thing that, I mean, like right now, you... the idea belongs to the state. They're the ones that enforce the patent law. If they decide that this is something that it is in the better interest of the state to stop giving you uh, uh, exclusive right to, then you stop having exclusive right to it. But here, here's the thing: is that the red flex they got a patent. I don't know how long if they got it for. They, the, the thing is, every time there's a ticket that gets issued out by their company, Vans, Speeding Vans, or Red Light Camera, they get the copyright. They get a certain proportion, and that's the part that people in New Mexico are mad about. And the the company, the money is going to Arizona, Red Flex Company. That's where it's based out of. So the, the money that's generated here does not even stay in New Mexico. And well, so i got to say, of all the complaints them. I've ever had, uh, uh, that I have ever heard about these things, the fact that some of the money went to a, a corporation was, was never on the list of complaints. So, Sarah, if I want a chair and you happen to make chairs in, in a communist society, how do I acquire one of your chairs? Well, if you need it, um, you get according to your need, and and there, there is enough to go around. I think the real, a, I think the real answer okay, to that question is you don't, you don't get the chair. <laughs> That's probably well. There are chairs in communist uh, uh, countries, believe it or not. But they and, do have chairs. Do they really? Wow, interesting. And somebody had to make those chairs, right? And somebody had to buy the materials to manufacture those chairs, right? And then put their labor to work. To make those right. chairs, are they not entitled to some compensation? Well, the compensation is to be like everybody else. You get provided housing, food, and shelter. You get the same amount well, a chair yeah. maker that I, I don't. Let me let me ask you this, Sarah. Why should mm-hmm. I not do? Why should I not sit and do nothing in a communist circumstance? Like if I'm getting I'm getting food and shelter, whether I work or not. Why should I help anyone ever? Well, you know, it's a it's a human nature to serve other people, believe it or not, and that's what makes us happy. And that's why you guys are serving. You know what I mean? You're sitting and doing this show. I mean, partly you guys do get paid, but still, it's a community service. It's in our nature uh, to serve and help other people. It's a, and then and then if you grow up in a country where there's no multi-billionaire capitalists and they're idolized uh, in TV like. Um, Paris Hilton and all these billionaires are glorified and uh, they're worshipped. If there's no people that are like that, you think that is a normal, common place so, to Sarah, give of your service Sarah, to the community. Yeah. Sarah, under communism, in order for you to acquire goods and and any kind of wealth, right, that's goods or uh, things that are important to you to live, uh, y- you do so by taking it by force from other people. Under capitalism, without the state, that is, uh, for the first time ever, you can obtain wealth by serving your fellow man, by providing goods and services at a market price that they need, want, and desire. And all of the incentives you mention are fulfilled. Thanks for the call tonight, Sarah. We appreciate that. Further commentary? Yeah, just uh, real simple. I mean, 
everyone is going to do whatever thing they want to do. Like, there's going to be an absolute glut of poets and actors and artists, and no one's going to pick up the garbage. Because no one wants to pick up the garbage. Like, you have to give someone a reason to pick up garbage. Uh, incentive. Yeah. Right. Incentive, uh, it doesn't exist under the style known as communism. I mean, incentive exists in whatever state government is in control. They have the incentive to crack the whip and make people do all sorts of things they don't want to do. That's the only incentive that exists. Whereas in a market-based society, incentive is just about what do you want? Oh, can you have it your way? You can. You know, if if I wanted yeah, the chair, you, you make the compromise that you have to make in order to get your life to work properly. If I wanted to get a chair from Sarah, but I needed it to be like wider than the last chair that she made because, well, I'm a large dude, right? I couldn't get that in a free market. Whereas under communism, I'd have to just suffer with the same well, exact size chair. Well, under communism, you would be starving, so you would fit in the original <laughs> chair, Captain. Oh, yeah, that's you a know? good point. That's, good That's true, because everyone has an equal right to the land, regardless of whether they're any good at actually making it produce food. All right, moving right along, let's go to David in San Francisco. David, you're on Free Talk Live. Yeah, I was more interested in that previous topic. You were talking about the uh, fellow with the taco stand. Yeah. So I was looking at that county, that's Isabella County up in Michigan, Okay. and that's a very small county. There's only 26,000 people in that county, and according to today's statistics, they've got 12,000 cases, almost 13,000 cases. So they're basically at at 50% of the whole county have had uh, COVID, have okay. caught it. Okay. They've got 174 deaths as of today. So I'm guessing that the issue is not so much that, uh, uh, you know, they're being unfair to that restaurant. It's more that the crisis has gotten so bad in that county that uh, uh, they've got to they've got to deal with something quick. But I, I don't understand how you arrive at that conclusion when clearly they have said that they're enforcing uh, a a. Uh, it's it's not a law. The code. The code. Thank you. Yeah, they're enforcing a zoning code that says that if that drive-through window hasn't been in operation continuously for X amount of years, that now it needs to conform to the new set of code instead of being grandfathered in like the restaurants around it. Well, I see only two stories about it, and they're both uh, based on the same. Uh, they're both written by the same guy. So I'm going to say that there's no competition in this in the story, right? Are you reading the one from Reason? Yeah, and then there's another one from a radio, uh, it's a radio or TV station up there, but it's basically the same text. So when you well, I, just because somebody else hasn't uh, written an article about it doesn't mean there's no competition. And thanks for the call, we appreciate it. Six zero three two eight three six one six zero. We'll talk more about that drive-through and the code violations and how this particular business owner in Michigan is handling all of that here on Free Talk Live. More coming up.
It's Free Talk Live. Welcome back, everybody. The telephone number is 603-283-6160. Again, 603-283-6160. In the studio, it's myself, the captain. Beakless Mountaineer. And Nikki. We've been doing a segment in dedication to our... Well, we'll still call him a co-host here on Free Talk Live, even though the government has taken away his freedom of speech. He's not allowed to appear on any radio, podcast, internet, uh, interview uh, in any way, shape, or form. So one of our other co-hosts, Bonnie, has gone out and and gotten some likes or some likes, some uh, quotes from our former co-host, known as Nobody, also formerly Rich Paul. He is one of the Crypto Six. You can find out all about the Crypto Six over at thecrypto6.com. But tonight's quote from Nobody says, When any form of government becomes destructive to these ends, it is the right of the people to alter or abolish it. And I'm voting for abolish. What about you? That is tonight's quote from Nobody. Amen. I miss that guy. He's a great host. And I would like to point out, it's our duty. It's not just our right. I agree. That's a good point. I mean, the the fact of the matter is, it is easier to do nothing. I mean, it's something that uh, Sarah will never comprehend, is that it is simply easier to not do things. So when it comes to abolishing the government because it's become tyrannical, it's not just your right. It is your obligation. Agreed. Uh, The phones are packed, so let's get back to your calls and thoughts. We've got David in New Mexico. David, you're on Free Talk Live. Yeah, had another wonderful experience with my New Mexican government here that I want to describe to you. But first of all, let me comment uh, about uh, what nobody had said about the right to alter or abolish it. Uh, similarly, about seven years ago, plus or minus, I called the uh, the greatest uh, listenership uh, program that I thought I could get on. I got I called Mark Levin's program, and I publicly uh, uh, withdrew my consent to the United States government as, as uh, uh, prescribed in the Declaration of uh, Independence where uh, we, they draw their just powers, and they're not, they're not exercising them justly, okay. but they draw their just powers from the consent of the governed. And so if every single one of us, according to the Declaration, well, not even every single one of us, just a, 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 an, a, a number of us sufficient for the cause were to uh, declare that we re- withdraw our consent, then that's part of abolishing and reforming uh, a more suitable, to use their, the Declaration's language, a more suitable government. David, so anyway, I, I, do uh, have, I do have a question. How do I withdraw consent which I never gave in the first place? Well, I, well, I, I would uh, argue that uh, you, you, by, uh, there's a word I'm looking for, by transference, you have the power, whether you personally gave consent in the first place or not, you have the power under law to withdraw it. But that's not what I called about, and so I don't want to use up my entire call about that. Okay, go I ahead. just wanted to add that. I wanted to add that to what you had uh, quoted to nobody. What I'm calling about is in the state of New Mexico in the past, you've heard me uh, mention the uh, uh, Patron Peon system in New Mexico, which if it's, it's well worth uh, taking five or ten minutes and searching that. There's a, a few good uh, articles and papers uh, instantly viewable online if you, if you search uh, Patron system, Patron peon system in New Mexico. Um, and, and from that 
that peon system, you get uh, New Mexico, which is the worst. I've lived in a dozen or more states, and New Mexico is the worst of them as far as how government treats it, its citizens. Um, and uh, it's every New Mexican knows that New Mexico, every time there's any ranking done of the 50 states, uh, New Mexico always ranks at the very bottom of anything good and at the very top of anything bad. And and in that vein, I, I had I had well, cause to call my. That's not exactly true. I mean, uh, there are a lot of ways in which uh, New York and California have you beat. Well, okay. So, but that's not my point to argue. That's that's evidence I'm supplying. The point I'm arguing is that New Mexico, New Mexico, bad. New Mexico, bad. And so here's the episode that happened uh, a few days ago. There, I, I called to, and and uh, you can. I don't want to go down the zoning argument whether there should be or not. But there's a, a factory within a few miles that apparently purchased a new piece of equipment that sounds basically like a jet engine running for hours on end. Uh, too close, too close to people that are trying to enjoy their "quote unquote" right of quiet enjoyment on the properties on which they pay taxes. Okay, so I called my county government, which is in charge of dealing with issues like this, and and here is how I was treated at my county government. Uh, so I, I call up and I talk to uh, the county manager, um, and I uh, pattern number one is they can never they never listen to you and hear you. So I give them an instruction <laughs> on how to get get. I get it. I, for instance, I give an instruction. Here is how you contact me. And I give it. I, I make sure. I make a point of giving it like five or six times, sure. so that they can't mess it up. Guess what? They mess it up, and so they have a problem getting a hold of me. So that's number one. And then, and and then I call and I say, okay, there is this uh, noise coming from over here, and I believe it falls under your jurisdiction. And I'm filing. I want to file a formal uh, complaint about this, so that you have to at least investigate it. Mm-hmm. And and so here's the first thing that that comes to the mind of of the uh, government worker uh, uh so what is your what is your address and i'm like i've already described to you multiple times the noise is coming from about two miles over there and right. it's so loud that it's getting to here why do you want to come to my address instead of going to where the noise is coming from first oh well we have to come to your address and take a noise measure measurement and i said well you know what it's not just affecting me it's affecting everybody within several miles of this place i'm not the only one well, why that would don't be you be reasonable better? and we have a very specific bureaucratic way of doing things <laughs> in that unreasonable yeah, way it gets better it gets better and so i'm trying to explain this to this worker in a firm manner like you hear right now and so all of a sudden this worker's uh, manager or supervisor comes on the line uh, had apparently had been listening to some of this comes on the line oh and guess what she just happens to be uh, of the same uh, family name as my uh, state representative former state representative who was the speaker of the house in the state of state of new mexico and uh, so showing nepotism there uh, so, so she comes on the line and she starts uh, telling me, I don't appreciate you berating my employees. And I said, I'm not berating him. I, and then, and then I, li- I lined out to her what I just did to you about how I'd repeated, repeatedly tried to communicate uh, very simple things to this person. And they were somehow not getting it. And, and, and she just she thought that was berating. And so she goes and she goes, well, what is your name? And so I gave her my name. I gave her my name, David Olson. Yep. And, and then she says, then she says, well, David Olson, I don't find you in our system. And I said to her immediately, I said, why are you looking me up in your system? And she says, well, so I can see what your address is so that 
that he can come to your address and uh, check the sound. And then so I, I stated to her what I just stated to you, and, and, I, and I immediately recognized, well, I already suspected what was going on. Yeah. And I said to this woman, I, here's the kicker. I said to this woman, um, I suspect retaliation. And it, and it's and it's not the first time. And if you or any of your workers come to my property, I will take that as retaliation and intimidation, and I will immediately file a federal civil rights lawsuit against your worker and so, against you and against so, your county manager yeah. and against your yeah. Sure. So what happened? Did the second that that I asserted my right that I suspected retaliation, which is a civil rights violation, and told her, gave her legal notice that uh, I would be filing a federal lawsuit against her, she immediately changed her song. And, and here's one last thing I'll leave you with. She did this thing that New Mexicans and government do repeatedly, and she said, well, I don't appreciate you threatening me. And oh, I said, oh, how did I threaten? I said, how did I threaten you? And she said, oh, well, you threatened to file a lawsuit against me. And I said, ma'am, uh, it's not an unlawful threat if someone threatens to do a lawful activity. Hey, David, thanks for the call. Uh, more illustrations from David on well, how horrible government interaction is. What? And I find this frustration that David obviously has, and he's an intense dude, uh, particularly when he's lit up, right? You know, he's obviously feeling the passion about what he's talking about. Um, I find these interactions to be almost similar whenever I interact with government, whether it's the DMV or, you know, any level of government interaction where before we actually address your concern, we must first... Blah, 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 Bureaucracy. Yeah, I I don't know why he didn't, like, at least inform these people that they were disturbing him and give them the opportunity to change their noise level himself instead of relying on goons to do his, his dirty work for him. We don't know for sure that he didn't, but that would have been a good question to ask him. Perhaps the next time, 603-283-6160, more Free Talk Live. Coming up, hour number three is on the way. So the protection of life, liberty, and property is, is what the Free State Project is all about. But it's an, it's an effort to move 20,000 people who understand. It's about demonstrating to the entire country. That, yeah, we can have a free market, a truly free market. Making it just a freer, great place to live. It's the world's largest voluntarist libertarian community, and it's, it's only getting bigger. That's amazing, to be able to move to a place where other people like passionately believe in being free and independent. What the Free State Project is managing to do, though, is to put their money where their mouth is. It's physically getting up across the country and saying, let's go someplace and let's demonstrate the power of these ideas. There's a lot of kind of philosophy that surrounds liberty. There's a lot of thinking about it and talking about it. But here in New Hampshire, people are doing it. 101 Reasons Liberty Lives in New Hampshire, a documentary by Free State Project Early Movers. Watch it free at 101reasonsfilm.com. 101reasonsfilm.com. Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live. Live Talk Free. The telephone number here is 603-283-6160. Again, 603-283-6160. We've got some calls on hold. We'll be getting to those just here in a moment. 
In the studio, it's myself, the Reverend Captain Kickass, Peakless Mountaineer, and Nikki. Uh, Nikki, you have something you wanted to share about midwifery and a yes. bill out of New Hampshire? Yes. Go ahead. So it is House Bill 1061, and it is going to be brought to the committee on January 20th at 1 p.m. So that is right before the New Hampshire Independence Bill Ooh. is going to be That's brought in, in front four of... four days, so Thursday? So yes, yeah. on Thursday, and it's going to be in Concord at the legisl- Legislature Office Building... I believe, I believe it's so, called. Yes. yes, so that's where they do things like this. But this bill in particular will make it so the Midwifery Council is an advisory board to the executive director of the Office of Professional Legislature and Certification. So as of right now, the Midwifery Council has control over all things midwifery in the state of New Hampshire. Ew. So that would be, I know, it's... Not great, but it would be even worse if the OPLC had control of it because this person knows absolutely nothing about midwifery. And this bill would also put... So right now, the count, uh, the committee is, or the council rather, is compromised of midwives. Mm-hmm. Makes sense, right? Because they know about midwifery. It would make it so I think it was three midwives, but they are just an advisory board. They have no say in anything. And the people that would have the say is the OPLC, and I think it's one obstetrician and then one pediatrician. Wow. So they're trying to take the... Yeah, I see. So they're trying to kind of take over midwifery, and the OPLC was like, no, guys, don't worry. I'm not trying to get rid of home birth. I'm not trying to get rid of midwifery. But regardless, how would she have our best interest in mind Not only midwives. I mean, this is a women's issue. This is a home birth issue. And this is a freedom issue. Because women and their families and their children deserve the right to give birth in the comfort of their own home with the health care providers that they would like to. Yes, of their choice. Of their choice. If you want to give birth in the hospital, that's up to you. But a lot of women have had very, very bad experiences in hospitals. And a lot of women feel much safer with midwives in the comfort of their own home. So I think this bill would be very, very bad. I mean, there's a lot of things I would change about the midwifery and home birth laws in the state of New Hampshire. mm -hmm. But this bill is going in the complete wrong direction. So what I suggest people do, you can go to openstates.org and find this bill, find the sponsors of this bill, maybe email them, call them, reach out to them, tell them that you do not support this bill and you think it's a bad idea. Reach out to your local reps and come on January the 20th, come to Concord and show your support of midwifery, of women, and of freedom. So I think it's really important that we have a big showing. And it's right before the New Hampshire Independence Bill, so you should be in Concord that day anyways. Yeah, if you're in New Hampshire, make the journey. Yeah, for both of these things. Both of these things are very, very important. You know, the first one, you're showing that you're not in support of it. The second one, you're showing that you're in support of it. So... I mean, if that's your Some changes philosophy. should be made, some should not. Exactly. It's an interesting illustration, too, of something I 
refer to frequently, which is people in general refer to these politicians as leaders. I say that it is far better to have somebody, if you're going to consider them a leader, and I'm not saying politicians are, but it's far better to have somebody in your leadership position with experience in the industry at question. Yes. We're talking leadership, not, you know, directorship, not dictatorships, right? Whereas if you're going to put somebody in a, in that position without experience in that field, in this case midwifery, that's a horrible idea. Yeah, if you're not yeah. a midwife and you've never been a midwife, why are you telling midwives what they should do? Yeah, yeah that's why, a great why question. Why would I put a nuclear engineer in charge of a football team? So if... Or a coach in charge of a nuclear power plant. Yeah. Exactly. Right, yes. So... What I would like to see done, which, you know, is going to take some time to formulate, but I think that we should get rid of the council altogether. We should get rid of licensure of midwives in the state of New Hampshire. And I can't believe I'm saying this, but we should make it more like Massachusetts, where there's no licensure, where there are no regulations regarding or very minimal regulations regarding home birth and that women have the freedom to have the birth that they desire with the healthcare professional that they desire, and there are no hurdles for anyone to jump over to achieve that goal. The government should have no hand in any of this. Exactly, and it's embarrassing that Massachusetts is putting New Hampshire to shame as far as these regulations go. Like, it really is. In Massachusetts, there is so much more freedom regarding midwifery and home birth, and that's embarrassing. Yeah, especially for the live free or die. Yeah, state. you should be embarrassed, New Hampshire, and let's do something about it. So, agreed. Uh, we've got calls to get to. Let's go to Richard in New Mexico. Richard, you're on Free Talk Live. Yes, lately I've got magazines from different places advertising hearing aids for several hundred dollars and. A few months ago, I went to three different hearing aid places here in Albuquerque because I'm losing some of my hearing from Vietnam combat. And I uh, got quoted three different prices between $3,200 and $3,500. And I'm wondering if there's other states that have hearing aid companies within those states that are apparently price-gouging people that need hearing aids because these magazines seem to be reputable companies and also their prices are published in these magazines. And I'm wondering... uh, if other states are suffering from price gouging from hearing aid companies in those states, or if they're being price gouged for other products also. That's uh, interesting because at some point I think I myself will probably require a hearing aid. I uh, you know, have some hearing loss because, well, I was a musician for 20 years in loud heavy metal bands. And so I have to turn up my volume here in the headphones more so than, well, anybody else who sits down at the chair. So I I don't really have a grip on the hearing aid industry. Uh, As far as price gouging is concerned, generally, 
I've found that price gouging, uh, when people claim it, uh, is a result of a manufactured shortage. Yeah, what what I'd say is happening here is that a lot of people get their hearing aids supplied for them by their medical insurance. And since they're not actually uh, paying for it themselves, then the hearing aid companies have gotten used to not having to compete on on pricing. I mean, the same thing happens with a a lot of medical stuff is that, I mean, if you can even get a price, it's completely inconsistent from one place to another and usually way higher than it needs to be because it's not something that people are used to bargaining down. Because insurance covers it. Exactly. Nikki? No thoughts? No thoughts. All right. Well, thanks for the call, Richard. Um, Yeah, I... Yeah, this is just one of the rare things where it's not always covered, but uh, frequently is covered by insurance. Yeah, I know that, um, like, folks who have to get uh, these hover rounds to, to get around mobility, scooters, that type of thing, uh, when their insurance pays for it, nothing kind of comes out of their pocket. They don't really know. When they have to go buy it out on the free market themselves, sticker shock, because they had no idea how much, like, it was to actually buy one of these out of pocket. More Free Talk Live is on the way. More of your calls and thoughts. Welcome back to Free Talk Live, the live Sunday night edition. The telephone number is 603-283-6160. Again, 603-283-6160. We'll get to your calls and thoughts momentarily. In the studio, it's myself, the captain. Bigless Mountaineer. And Nikki. Uh, Free Talk Live's video archives have been on library for years. Library is an uncensorable, decentralized, blockchain-based media sharing protocol, and we're big fans of that here on Free Talk Live. In 2020, Library launched Odyssey, a video sharing website to compete with YouTube, and it is really taking off now with over 1 million channels, many of which are disaffected YouTube creators. During YouTube's crackdown for not towing the government line on COVID, the Free Talk Live YouTube channel started receiving strikes and could be completely taken down at any moment. Thankfully, Odyssey started offering live streaming, so we're now streaming live every night and posting our video archives permanently to Odyssey. You can watch live or anytime uh, on our Odyssey channel by visiting video.freetalklive.com. If you'd like to go all in, download the desktop app at lbry.com. And then every archive that you watch, you'll help seed and keep it online forever. So please visit video.freetalklive.com. Follow us on Odyssey today. Again, video.freetalklive.com. All right. uh, Going right back to the phones and your thoughts. We've got, I believe this is Olivia in Arizona. Um, this is nope. Robert in Robert South, in South Carolina. Carolina. Go ahead, Robert. Sorry, my bad. Yes, I, I just wanted to go back to your question about you know the different systems: communism, um, socialism, and capitalism. And um, actually, I, I lived in Germany most recently for about twenty years until I moved here to Charleston, South Carolina, about almost seventeen years ago. Okay. And um, 
we had a system in Germany whereby we had a, a combination of all three. Actually, we have that here as well, but the, 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 they're just a little bit differently adjusted. For example, we have the, uh, the church, for example, the Catholic Church, which is actually an independent country. It's the, called the Vatican, and it's um, a communistic system. It's, I think, the oldest government in the world right now. Uh, so it does show that that does work. And well, then, religion uh, absolutely but, is the oldest government in the world, but go on. Okay, then we have uh, socialism. Um, Germany operates under what it calls itself democratic socialism, social democratie to be exact, is what Angela Merkel refers to it as, and she's very proud of it, by the way. And it seems to work very well. Everybody seems to be very happy with it. And then, of course, um, the next uh, system would be, for example, free market economy without too many restrictions, which Germany also operates under. For example, 70% of Germany's wealth is created by international business, which is, uh, which is capital. Well, I'll, I'll stop you right there, David. You, you understand that you cannot have a free market economy with any restrictions. Anything, anything that restricts the free market economy makes it no longer a free market economy. Well, well. The, for example, the, the three, let's say the three largest car companies in Germany, which would be Daimler, BMW, and Volkswagen, mm -hmm. they offer they, they operate rather independently, and, and and they're very very careful about about that. They uh, I. I have personal experience with one of those car companies, and I went to another car company that offered me some work, and I, I, I was and, and I and I showed up, and actually it was in Leipzig the interview, and the guy asked me, he said, do you you know do you work for any do you have anything to do with any the other two car companies? And I said, um, actually yes. So he said he was shocked. So he said, okay, well let me see what you're doing. So I pulled out the papers just to show him that I that it was that I really was, and I pulled out the um, uh, the um, the the shell for one of the car one of the cars manufactured by another car company. He just looked at it for a second to make sure it was legit. Then he handed it back to me as if he had just seen a ghost. And he said, "I'm sorry, we can't use me. I'll have you. I'll have my chauffeur bring you back to, to right." To the they have each of these companies has yeah non competition. Yeah, that, that's what's called a regulated market, which is in direct contradistinction from a free market. Well, I, I thought it would be a free market because, I mean, they're, 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 for example, the other thing is like the workers of those three companies, they, they call themselves Kollegen, they, they socialize together, but they're very careful about what they say. And my grandfather, he, he said to me, okay, Bambergers associates surely with Macy's, but they don't tell their, their corporate secrets. They, they know exactly how far to go and exactly how far not to go with regard to what they talk about and, and the particular aspects of, you know, what they're sure. well, Even in the most there. socialized thing, you can still have competition. I mean, there's, you know, there is some level of competition between uh, Marines and Army people, even though they do uh, basically the same job. I mean, with some differences, they can still compete against each other in the most socialized of environment but neither of those environments are free market environments um well do you, do you I, understand I, I, david I, that a free market needs to be without regulation without restriction i see i okay all right well right in that case um they they, they, they it's 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 a relatively free market i mean there's certain there's certain in, in, built-in limitations, and they all understand exactly what those limitations are. It's I mean, similar uh, to the United States. The United States does not have a free market, contrary to popular opinion. People oftentimes conflate 
a free market with what the United States has. The United States has, I'm going to call it a crony corporatist market system, right? It sort of resembles loosely, maybe not even so loosely, uh, a, a free market, but only if you can afford to pay for the lawyers to make it uh, you know, illegal, and then for the lobbyists to make sure that competition doesn't come and bite you in the ass. Well, wouldn't you want a free market competitive system? Otherwise, this is, this, this, there would be no impetus for society would, to I make progress. I would love, I would love for there oh, to yeah. be an actual free market. But currently, the only free market in existence is what's known as the black market. I see. I got the impression that the black market was kind of illegal. It is, but it's also free. Yeah, I mean, what is legal is whatever a government determines to be legal. It doesn't matter if it is a good thing or an evil thing. It matters what that government determines. Now, I, I really did want to uh, uh, pry as far as the the communist system that apparently exists in Germany. Like, I mean, I, I do get that Vatican City is its is its own country, like sovereign entity. Yeah, or something, it, yeah. it is. It's a very strange country too because it's a, a monarchy, oddly enough. Uh, but not uh, in the traditional sense where you have, like, you know, children and what have you. But w- what uh, what does the Catholic Church have to do with the governing of uh, of Germany? Germany? Yeah, good question, David. Well, there, there, it has a lot going on in Germany. It's one of the two major religions in Germany. Judaism is also exist, exists there, and so also does Islam. But Catholicism and, and, and Lutheranism are the two main religions. They used to be the ones also, by the way, or if you live there, they would ask you until until the year was 2000 or so or 2002. Well, but but it doesn't wield any force there, right? Uh, it, it has operations there, uh, charitable operations there. It conducts church services. And people go to meetings and, and, and talk about the, 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 the their okay. Catholic religion. I think, I think we get it, Robert. Thank you for the call tonight. We appreciate it. 603-283-6160. More Free Talk Live is coming up. Join liberty-minded voluntarists, anarchists, and libertarians from June 27th through July 3rd for the 6th Annual ForkFest at Rogers Campground in the beautiful White Mountains of New Hampshire. ForkFest is a fork of the Porcupine Freedom Festival, which sold out for the first time in 2021. ForkFest takes place the week after ForkFest, but ForkFest is decentralized, which means that there's no ticket cost and no one is in charge. All you have to do to join the fun is reserve your camping site, RV site, or motel room with Rogers Campground for June 27th through July 3rd. There's no better place to celebrate Independence Day than around other freedom-loving activists in the Shire. You can find out more at the unofficial website, forkfest.party. You can also connect with other attendees on the ForkFest Telegram and Matrix chat rooms, as well as the ForkFest Forum. You can find links to those at forkfest.party. We hope to see you there. Forkfest.party. It's Free Talk Live. The telephone number in the studio is 603-283-6160. 603-283-6160. 
603-283-6160. In the studio, it's myself, the captain. Peakless Mountaineer. And Nikki. I want to take a minute and say thank you to Barry Swenson. Barry Swenson is a silver level amplifier. And you can find out more about the amplifier program over at amps, A-M-P-S, dot freetalklive.com. What is an amplifier, you might ask? Well, it's somebody who contributes some amount of money per month. In this case, the silver level, I believe, is $5. That's all we ask. You can contribute more. There's different levels. You can find them out over at amps.freetalklive.com. This money goes to advertise, market, promote, and support. The long way of saying, get us on more radio stations, basically. More outlets get this show to be more popular than it currently is. We're on somewhere around 180 or so, maybe close to 200 radio stations. We could be on 250. We could be on 300 stations. It's really all up to you. If you enjoy the content that we provide, the hosts and co-hosts that we have, the perspective of freedom, peace, and liberty, then please consider becoming an amplifier over at amps.freetalklive.com. You get some little perks for becoming an amplifier, such as the amp-only podcast, but that's not the real reason to join. The real reason is to support probably one of the only nationally syndicated talk radio call-in programs about freedom, and that, to me, is a good reason. Amps.freetalklive.com. Thank you, Barry Swenson. We appreciate you. Uh, let's go ahead and go to your calls and thoughts. We have Olivia. Thanks for holding, Olivia. You are on Free Talk Live. Hey, I wanted to talk about the letter that took, what was it, 76 years to get delivered? 76 years. We were <laughs> During the break, we were lamenting, where was this letter? The only thing that my imagination could come up with was that there's some sort of postal equipment that over the years had to be changed out. And somehow this letter like fell into you know a crack of this uh, old postal equipment. They moved it into a room or storage somewhere and replaced it with new equipment. And then years later, they're like, oh, we should get rid of this old equipment, recycle it, whatever it is. And when they went to move it, this letter fell out. And, you know, somebody, somebody was like, whoa, well, here, you guys should probably deliver this. Yeah, That's- that is our least sci-fi explanation for this. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think? Um, I have I have three things to say about that, but then I really, really want to address the midwifery thing, okay. too. Um, so the first thing, actually, it was uh, in September of 2020 in uh, Michigan. They had a postcard that was delivered 100 years. It was 100 years exactly, 100 years late. What they think happened with that was that you can find uh, and buy old postcards in like garage sales and antique shops. So they think somebody found one and as a joke put it in the mail slot to see what would happen and oh. it got delivered. So that, that is inter- a- yeah, that's a really interesting theory. Like maybe it got misdelivered and, you know, somebody died and somebody yeah. went through the deceased person's belongings and was like, What's this letter? It's not even addressed. We should drop this back in the mail. <laughs> Interesting. Go ahead, Olivia. It could. Um, and the two other things I wanted to say about that was uh, when I was I was mailing things in October, uh, and they kept pushing me to like they were like, oh, for fifty cents more you could get this air mailed, and I'm like, I've needed to mail this for months. So I'm not going to pay more now. Like, and 
a few days later, I read that contractors who are unloading the airplanes, mm-hmm. not the ground mail, which is what I sent mine by, but the, the airplane contractors, they contract out and they were stealing thousands and thousands of pieces of mail in Texas. And they finally got caught with like a storage unit full of stolen mail. But I was so glad I didn't pay 50 cents extra to get my mail stolen. <laughs> right. Oh, really? For real? And the other thing I wanted to say about the post office is I really love the post office. Like, I love the experience of buying stamps. I love, like, I've always had a nice mail lady deliver my mail. Like, I love everything about it. I think that just goes to show that you can be a libertarian and say that the government is not, you can like some part of the government service, but you can say it's not worth it. Well, I, I kind of, it's not that these services aren't essential. I mean, that's exactly my problem with them, is that these are really important things, and we just shouldn't trust it to a coercive monopoly to perform. I also want to say my mother is a libertarian, and she's a mail carrier, so. Ooh, yeah. Ooh interesting. I, I don't disagree, Olivia. Uh, yes, there are services that government provides, Right, this is a true statement. They do provide services. The problem is, for me, they provide them at behest of a gun. Right, that is to say that uh, if I want to start a competing service with, say, the post office, uh, they won't let me. They will come to my place of business with guns, shut me down. Uh, if I resist that, they will throw me in a cage. And if I resist that, they purport the authority to kill me just because I think I can deliver letters better than they can. And it's always worth remembering that unlike other forms of service, you can't fire them. I mean, it's not that I don't want defense services. Defense services are incredibly important. Yes. You know, I mean, uh, policing, military, these are important services. Uh, Yeah, the roads, these are great services. They're terribly important. I just want to be able to fire one company and go to another company because they did it better. Right. Could I could I address the midwifery uh, issue? Yes, course, ahead, please, please do. It's, it's not really about midwifery necessarily, but I was reading about in the 1970s there were women's groups, especially in California, and they would do something really cool called menstrual extraction using a simple. It was a really simple device. Once a month, you could have your period for one day. They would just suck out the contents once a month, and it was something that you would like have. It was like a friends group. It wasn't like a medical group. So, like, I don't know if it was a duel or not, but they would show women how to do this, and then they would, like, do this as, um, as, like, a service to their friends. And I just think that would be super awesome if that came back, not only because, you know, periods are really painful, but also because abortions are getting more and more regulated, and um, that would be a way to catch it early without anyone even knowing. Like in Bangladesh, that's what they use. They just don't take a pregnancy test. And if you just don't want to get pregnant, that way you know, we don't ask, don't tell. So I just thought that was really interesting. I wish someone would bring back menstrual extraction. So I don't want to get like super midwifey on everybody and like rant about this, but there are several reasons why having a menstrual cycle is really good. And people talk about like painful periods and stuff all the time. And really, they're not supposed to be painful and uncomfortable. It's really due to hormonal imbalances in the body. And so I don't necessarily think that that would be a good thing because I think it would be messing with hormones and messing with the normal bodily cycles and functions that women must have 
to keep their hormones stable and to which in turn, you know, interact with all of our other body systems. So I'm not sure if that would I don't know enough about it because this is you telling me that telling us this is the first time I've ever heard about it. So I would need to do more research into it. But just off the hand, like what I know about women's health, I'm not sure if that would be an entirely beneficial thing. I but do I do think I'm that intrigued. women women getting together uh, who know each other you know, is always a benefit regardless of the circumstance yeah. particularly for something that affects women. Yeah. Right? Uh, specifically women. Uh, there's a camaraderie that can be developed around that and knowledge can be passed from person to person that other people may not have, you know, younger to older and that kind of a thing. Um, you don't learn everything from your parental units that you should and uh, you know, it's you can get that from that type of a group. And Olivia, thank you for the call tonight. We appreciate it. Uh, 603-283-6160 is the number here in the studio. The final segment of Free Talk Live is coming up. We've got time to get you on the air if you call now. 603-283-6160. This is Free Talk Live. the captain, aren't I? <laughs> not of my soul. <laughs> captain of myself, that is. Why do I refer to myself as the captain? Well, it's a name that was given to me, as all nicknames should. All right, it's not... Some people are like, you You call yourself the captain. Well, I do, but like, it was given to me. I, I, I kind of earned it. In a, You were not the first <laughs> to an, call yourself the captain. Yeah, it's true. So, uh, anyway, it is Free Talk Live. Uh, we're here in the studio. It's myself, the captain. Beakless Mountaineer. And Nikki. We've been talking about all sorts of things tonight, uh, but I wanted to circle back to this guy with the restaurant in Michigan where he he was shut down because the state said, hey, COVID, you can't be open for business. People can't come in and sit down and, and enjoy dinner at your restaurant Basically, you're out of business. And so he went, ding, I have an idea. A little light bulb appeared above his head. And he said, I will open this drive through window that hasn't been used in, in years uh, and offer, still offer to cook things for people. They just come pick it up through the drive through window on a to-go basis. And his business was saved. That is, until the government came in and said, hey, man, you're in violation of code because... The 200, was it feet, 200 feet uh, of space needed to comply with code and your drive-through isn't being met, even though it's not causing any harm or disruption to traffic or anybody else's business, uh, and that 200 feet was completely within his own parking lot, uh, they still said, nope, it's not up to code because... Uh, your drive-through window was closed, and you know for uh, years, I guess, and then now it's reopened. So uh, everybody else in the neighborhood who has a drive-through is free to operate the drive-throughs, except you, because yours was closed for a period of time, and we can't grandfather you in. Now you must meet the new requirements. So yep. this guy, uh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, wow, that is an innovative solution to adapt to a changing circumstance, and we just can't let you do that. 
See, we're trying to destroy all of the businesses here by making them follow an infinite set of rules, and you aren't complying with that. So, no. So, within all of this, uh, apparently last month, the owner, Balotieres, applied for a zoning variance in an effort to legalize his drive through In his application, he argues that he always thought he'd be allowed to use the drive through window, given that the prior owners had done so, and the owners before them had also done so. He also says that outside of the Cinco de Mayo rush, his restaurant, Taco Boy, never has enough cars to actually need 200 feet of stacking space. None of those arguments, of course, proved convincing for Mount Pleasant's Zoning Board of Appeals, which voted unanimously to deny Bellatier's request for variance on December 15th. I just don't get what they get out of this. Like, what do they get out of ruining this guy's life? Like, do they, is that... Power. I mean, they... I mean, I just don't understand. They're just doing their jobs. Well, I mean, you're defying our regulations and our bureaucracy. We came up with these rules, and it doesn't matter if they make sense. You have to follow them, because that's what our civilization is. Nikki, if you don't like it, you should do something like join the organization and try and change it from the inside. Yeah, because that always works. Yeah. (laughs) It never works. (laughs) Uh, Kench says there are few narrow criteria that would have allowed the board to grant a variance, most of which have to do with the actual shape or topography of the property in question. Balotieres didn't meet those criteria, nor were his arguments about economic hardship convincing enough. It'll surely have an impact, but I'd remind you he's been in operation without it for a number of years. It can't be so general that you don't want to have 200 feet of stacking space, Kench says. Having had his variance request rejected by the zoning board, Bellatierrez does have the option of petitioning the circuit court to rehear the case, which he is considering. Kench says Bellatierrez has other options to uh, facilitate his takeout business, including designating parking spaces for people waiting on orders, partnering with delivery app companies, which of course take a fee, yeah, or potentially reconfiguring the back portion of his lot. To accommodate the 200 feet of stacking space, which that can't be cheap. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. To just reconstruct so, your parking lot. I'm not sure if the article is going to p- touch upon this, but I'm wondering if he's allowed to have dine-in seating again. The article does not touch on that. Because then I guess he wouldn't need the drive through but it's still kind of just the principle of it that they're just going out of their way. Like there's no reason why this man can't safely run this drive-thru without bothering anybody but just for some reason they're just picking on him because he's not following these stupid codes to a t yeah abelatarius still contends that the costs of shutting down the current window plus the ten thousand dollars he says he spent addressing other code issues on his property are a real threat to his business this is my livelihood this is my employee's livelihood he says when a small independent business takes a hit like that it is hard to survive. And one of the things that, bug, that bugs me about this is I don't see any way of ending up in a different situation. I mean, like the kind of person who tends to want the job of being an officious bureaucrat is going to be the same kind of person. So, I mean, even if like, oh, well, this particular group of bureaucrats is doing a terrible job, we need to replace them with another set of bureaucrats. 
But I mean, the personality type that's going to be attracted to that sort of work is going to be the same kind of personality that likes everyone to follow the minutia of every letter of every uh, regulation. Yeah, I think uh, maybe we start a movement. Fire the government. (laughs) I'm down. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) I never thought about putting those two words together, or three words, I guess, fire the government. (laughs) I can't catch it. has a nice ring to it, though. It does. But it certainly, uh, you know, puts my sentiments in a quick and easy-to-grasp phrase, fire the government. Um, What they're doing to this guy is just wrong. Uh, it's just completely wrong. Uh, it, nobody's being harmed. Nobody's property is being damaged. It's not affecting, it's not even interfering with traffic. It's not affecting any of the other businesses around him in any way, shape, or form. Other businesses in the immediate area are doing the same thing, right? Uh, also not in compliance with the new code, right? So, in but my since opinion... they didn't focus on internal dining... And kept their their windows open, they're allowed to be grandfathered in. And what I hate about this the most is not this exact thing. Because, I mean, if it was just this one little thing, I mean, it's it's kind of a little thing. I mean, not to this person, sure. not the person whose business this is. But, like, you know, on a societal level, this is just one little thing. But it's emblematic of a million, million tiny, stupid little paper cuts that we're getting from having to follow the letter of law when no one is being harmed. Yeah. Yeah. Some of our listeners might be out there, especially if you're a new listener, maybe you just tuned in tonight to this program, you might think to yourself, well, you're just taking a fringe case out of the news and treating that as if it's the way it is. No, this isn't the first type of this type of thing that we've ever covered here on Free Talk Live by a large margin. I mean, we just pull out the ones that we think are going to be the most impactful for you to hear, for us to discuss, and for callers to opine on when it comes to the state of freedom in society today. And this one, you were right, it is emblematic. This is a fine example of the nuisance of bureaucracy when people who contributed nothing to this man's business in any way shape or form they didn't help it grow they didn't help it become they in fact to his detriment have shut him down right are are doing nothing and now they're saying that he can't have this drive-in window because of some thing some words on a piece of paper yeah and i mean if you get to the deepest level of this the claim is you are government property I mean, that's fundamentally the idea here is, well, why do I have to do what you tell me? Well, because we're the government and you belong to us. If you make a business, that's our business and we get to tell you what to do with it. And that's truly the worst part because it's it's just so tough. And the, really, the only thing you can do is not comply. And then after that, you know, they come after people and it's not always an easy thing to do, but... In, in his case, if I were him, I would not comply. I would put up cameras, if they're not up already. I mean, usually drive throughs have this kind of a thing. Yeah. I'd put up cameras and a DVR uh, and all that kind of a thing and you know, just continue to operate. Well, and then they, when they come to shut them down, film it. And yeah. that takes moral courage. I mean, yeah. the, the fact of the matter is, it is an extraordinary person who is willing to have the courage 
to stand up to these bullies when they're enforcing their will for no good reason. And we could use a lot more of that in society today. We are out of time. If you missed any part of tonight's program, you can catch the archives over at freetalklive.com. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in, and peace. The new 4th edition of Healing Our World, The Compassion of Libertarianism, will take your understanding of liberty to a deeper level and has over 1,300 updated references, new cartoons, and a foreword by Dr. Ron Paul. With discounts for multiple book purchases, the 4th edition of Healing Our World is a great gift for the liberals, pragmatists, environmentalists, and Christians in your life who think libertarianism is cold-hearted. Get yours today at healing.freetalklive.com and use promo code FTL for a $5 discount.